bringing European SaaS together was the initial premise for SaaS Talk. Even in its first year, we outgrew that proposition with attendees from over 30 countries, making it a global conference with a European heart. SaaS Talk will be returning to Dublin in October 2022, and our super early bird tickets are on sale now, saving you 400 euros. Grab yours by visiting sastock.com forward slash sastock dash 2022. We've always tried to yeah, have like radical decisions. So at, at some point we really stopped and canceled one key feature of Bilby, which was heavy in development, heavy in support, low in revenue and, and yeah, some kind of unique feature. Anyway, we just cut it. It's always good to somehow be, be brave because only big things, big decisions, big impact lead to, to big changes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, David Pullman, CEO of Bilby. Welcome, David. Hey, Alex. Nice to meet you. Yeah, uh, good to have you on the podcast. And uh, it looks like you're in a wood cabin or you've just got wooden walls. <laughs> uh, but I, I know that, uh, that, that you're remote and dialing in from a, from a small town. Um, can you confirm, are you in a, in a wood cabin? or uh, uh, it's, it's, wood? it's actually not a wood cabin, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, nice to have a wooden background. So that's why I... Uh, did some 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 DIYing and workshopping to to bring this wood to my wall. <laughs> uh, very cool. So is, is this your home office? Uh, yeah, it's uh, my home office, right? Yeah. Uh, and where where is home for you, David? Um, it's pretty much in the center of Germany and pretty much in the middle of nowhere, I would say. So uh, two and a half hours drive north of Frankfurt, yeah, Germany. Awesome, awesome. Well, David, um, you appreciate you taking the time to to join. We're going to be talking about you bootstrapping the company, talking about the, the, the great revenue that you've achieved, which we'll uh, let you share in a, in a bit, and uh, the, the fantastic growth rates uh, for the business and, uh, and culture, uh, and, and focus our conversation around that. But before we get into it, um, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you as a person, uh, mm -hmm. you know, who is David Pullman? Um, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm David, I'm uh, 31, uh, married, father of two boys, three years and eight months old, so pretty interesting and exciting time and yeah. Um, yeah really really enjoy living remotely and uh, yeah being able to live remotely because uh, we have a company which is remote so really enjoy the the life I do at the moment awesome uh, good stuff and uh, and tell us about uh, then I, I guess the business uh, so you're the CEO of Bill B mm -hmm. um, how did you become to be, uh, how did you become the CEO of Bill B you know, kind of what's the story there? Because I think you, you I'm not sure if you're one of the original kind of founders, but you, you're certainly the, the CEO now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Bilby was incorporated in 2015 or so, in early 2015, and um, by, by Jan Krause, which is the founder. And uh, now he's called, I think, the, the chief uh, tech evangelist of Bilby. <laughs> and um, yeah, Bilby was incorporated in 2015. And yeah. Um, existed as a side hustle as a side project years before i think really the the first lines of code were back in 2009 or so and really was 
yeah, some some community driven tool below the radar, no economic interest or so. And um, I met Jan in late 2015, so almost a year after he has incorporated the company. And um, yeah, actually, we, we get to know each other. And um, we I think I started as a freelancer working for Bilby in, in January 2016 um, because I really saw huge potential in the, in the company, which was really way below the radar and absolutely underrated in, in terms of in terms of uh, a brand, in terms of uh, how, how it was known in the community and also how it was, um, uh, how, how the pricing was, how the revenue was and all this kind of stuff. So I really saw huge potential in it. And thing then became the real first employee and quit my corporate well-paid job at this time in uh, October, 2016. So this was really the, the, the full-time kickoff would say. So roundabout one and a half year after it was incorporated. So you, so you were the first employee. Mm -hmm. uh, and then since then, since 2015, I guess you worked your way up or by being the first employee, uh, you're kind of in, in that sort of position where you understand pretty much everything about uh, the business. And uh, yeah, I guess that's at some point the, the co-founder is, or the founder has handed over the reins to you and uh, say being the evangelist and David, you, you run the day to day. And, yeah. you know, get us to, like, has he given you a remit? Like, get us to 100 million or, you know, get us to 10 million or, like, what, what, what is, what is, what is the, the, the kind of the goals uh, yeah. for you? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, in the, in the beginning, we really felt that we could be a good business couple, so to say. So he's really the, the tech and engineer and product guy, whereas I'm really focused on focusing on, on growth and revenue. And um, I think I was hired as a, I think it was called head of business development or something like this but until today and uh, officially i'm the i'm the ceo from from january this year only but until today i've my, my actual role my actual daily tasks haven't changed a lot so it was maybe a different title but it's really the same 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 stuff i did and um as i said we had a really conservative growth in the beginning we were only able to to pay ourselves a salary then hired just a few people in, in, in 2017 to, to become four people, six people in 2018. And we somehow felt, all right, this, this might turn into something, something bigger and not just only a, yeah, some kind of small business and, and side hustle. And um, Jan always, or actually didn't always have some kind of vision in terms of being a multi-billion dollar startup getting acquired for 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 whatever a million amount he was really always the the product guy to create a product which really helps people and which really helps um yeah other businesses to succeed and i think it was more my drive and more my input that there's also yeah some some uh, value in it in terms of numbers and in terms of uh, dollars and, and euros yeah. And I, I think I, I mentioned it uh, at, at the beginning, or kind of let it slip. But uh, in terms of bootstrapped or venture backed, um, you know, which one are you? And we're bootstrapped and really enjoy the bootstrap life. Yeah. So uh, in the in the in the very beginning, so in the first year, I think 2016, we had uh, some kind of 20% uh, grant from the local government who who paid 20% of our salaries. So my salary and the employee employee which came after me. So this was some little help, would say, but no equity involved. So it was really some kind of yeah, 
a grant from from the government and yeah we are bootstrapped since then and uh, uh try hard to defend uh, against investors and and potential uh yeah potential vcs yeah <laughs> so 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 the plan is continue you're enjoying bootstrapping continue to keep the control but you from the sounds of it you know probably getting a few vcs knocking at the door uh or emails and uh, just ignoring them or politely you know saying no thanks or do you take any meetings just out of curiosity uh, but then say you know no we're bootstrapping what, what what's the approach there yeah mostly we're quite honest so we say we are not actively raising money and also not passively raising money so really no plans to to raise anything um but sometimes if we think it's a it's an interesting vc in terms of what he could offer in terms of knowledge and experience we 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 talk to them and have conversations with them but always upfront we say we're not interested in in raising any money but um yeah i i, I heard the the episode with with um uh, the user flow guy which is experiencing yeah, been, uh, very yeah. similar and i really felt felt him as he was saying that they are even pushing and knocking harder if you if you refuse to to take any money yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i i've seen it with people that come to to SAS, speak at SASDOC and um, other like, um, uh, actually, interestingly, um, like Peter Coppinger is the CEO of teamwork.com. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you, you know, he was, well, I say famously, but in the bubble that I live in, you, you know, well, I really knew him as very anti VC and he'd always kind of speak about um, why would you ever give away any of your company uh, and, you know, scaled the business, um, you know, over a number of years to about 30 million ARR, but recently, you know, has taken on uh, not venture capital, but venture debt, uh, but about 70 million, uh, I, I think. Um, so which is quite interesting to see that, you, you know, your your opinions can kind of change. You know, yeah, definitely. Right. Right. But which yeah. is fine, right? Which yeah. is absolutely fine. Yeah, it is. And yeah. I actually do not do not like like hate or or find it like negative to be a VC back company. I think there are definitely scenarios and and use cases where it's yeah actually necessary and, and, and it makes more than sense. And we are in some kind of lucky position, not needing it at the moment. Yeah, it could be different in five years or so, but I um, really enjoy that we don't need it. And uh, actually, we we could use any of those money to get to some some kind of hyper growth, but we are happy with how it is now, with with a growth rate, with our profitability, with our happy employees, and um, yeah, I think that's what matters in the end. That's good. Well. Let's talk about some of the data then that you can share this, uh, the, the statistics about the company. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, in terms of uh, revenue, um, you know, where where are you uh, sort of today? Yeah, I think uh, last month we had like 450k MRR, so it's yeah five to six million ARR roundabout, and um, majority of it, so 90 to 95 percent is uh, yeah pure pure SaaS software revenue. And we have a small amount, which is some kind of commissions from third-party providers who have, yeah, some kind of ref share contract with us. And um, yeah, it's like five to six uh, MIRR. And um, uh, yeah, are you selling to SMB or uh, enterprise or both? We're, we're selling to micro and small businesses. So most of our yeah. companies are between zero and ten employees. Yeah, okay. That's the size, and we have like. 15k active uh, customers yeah so okay very so, low, they, very low arpu actually yeah 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 okay um and 
Low RP, what's the, the churn like then? If it, if it says 1% each month round one. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, bad. And then in terms of um, a headcount, you're around 30 people plus, something like that? Um, actually, I just signed number 40 this week. Oh, wow. Good um, stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a nice size of the, like, you know, how was it uh, going from 20 to, to 40? You, you know, did you, did you see a step change yeah. there? I think 20 to 40 was so fast that I didn't even recognize because um, I think at the end of 2020, we were just 20 mm. and now we're 40. So we, we, we doubled since yeah, a little more than, than a year. And um, this, this was so fast. And I think it was even more uh, extraordinary to go from like eight or 10 people to 20 because you have to somehow define teams and structures and processes and not 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 everyone is uh, life hacking the code on the production system and so, and um, this was quite a big change to go from below ten to to twenty or more, and then yeah, it was just it just happened to go to forty. Yeah, I was really surprised as my people and culture manager just uh, said to me in a Slack message, "You just signed number forty." Was really <laughs> didn't know about it. Yeah, awesome. And and then what about your growth rates? Uh, I understand they're pretty impressive as well. Um, right, yeah, I think we, we've always grown like 100%, a um, little less, a little more. And uh, until, yeah, until 2019, it was way below. So probably like 60% year over year. And then in 2020, early 2020, um, yeah, COVID came in and we were some, some something like afraid, I would say. So because we didn't really know how this would impact our business, but um, as we are, yeah, very big and very based in e-commerce, uh, it obviously turned out that that COVID was really a, some kind of accelerator for us, and which led to yeah, really growing more than one hundred percent year over year. I think we just crossed one million revenue in two thousand nineteen, uh, crossed just uh, two million in in uh, two thousand twenty, and then we had uh, yeah, probably four point five or, or almost five million in in last year. Uh, and let's talk, uh, I mean, any tips, first of all, from like bootstrapping the business, like what, what, what have you learned to bootstrap a business successfully and get it to, to you know, almost 6 million uh, ARR? Yeah, I think that the most important, or one of the, one of the biggest decisions we had was to be proud of the product and to know the value of the product, because I think most companies start with a, yeah pricing way below what it's actually worth. So we had a really, really big price increase last year, for example, which really had some some uh, headaches and, and uh, a bad feelings in front of it because we almost doubled the pricing, uh, I think, for all existing customers, so not only for new customers. And um, yeah, maybe had a churn of like seven or eight percent or so in terms of in terms of logos and uh, revenue uplift. 80, 90% or so. And um, we really knew we had a good product, but we just were, yeah, proud enough and uh, weren't uh, brave enough and encouraged enough to really take the money we thought the product is worth. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a wise, an advice I would give. Probably not starting too high. Yeah, so I think starting low is just a fine thing. But uh, be brave and, and be encouraged to to increase prices, even on your existing customers. I think uh, if you have a good product, uh, no one will hurt. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I definitely agree with that. We see that pricing is can be you know such an underused lever uh, to, for for growth, but it has such a big impact on on growth. And yeah. I think similarly, whilst we're SaaS are not a, a SaaS company, um, it was a lever that we pulled you, you know year over year to really kind of achieve you know similar kind of growth rates uh, uh, to yourself. Uh, you know, certainly in the uh, the early days, yeah. and we we start we started far too low. And then we doubled our pricing, you know, doubled our growth rate, uh, surprisingly. And um, but um, but yeah, no, it's yeah. It, it, actually, super important. Actually, I think it was a, a hit on advice from from uh, Patrick Campbell from from Profitwell. I heard on uh, in Dublin in 2019, I think, who said that never ever do any grandfathering on old pricings. And um, this is what we did since since then, and really turned out good. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Good, uh, good advice. Uh, we we love Patrick, and he'll be speaking at yeah. Sasdoc Remote and Sasdoc uh, in in Dublin when we're back this year, this uh, this October. Um, what about um, maintaining? So you now have this, I think, since twenty nineteen, hundred percent growth rate year over year, right? Um, how are you maintaining that? And you know, what are your what are your secrets there that you can share? Yeah, I mean, obviously. I think we didn't have any 100% growth rate in the last years if COVID didn't came in. So COVID was definitely some some kind of luck for us, so to say. Yeah, even if it's if it's if it's worse and if it's a bad thing. And um, also, obviously, the price uh, increase last year helped us to 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 stick to this 100% growth rate. And we are more of a conservative company when it comes to planning and targeting. So we do not have a goal to maintain and keep this 100% growth rate for the next couple of years. So for years, this year, for example, we're going for a growth rate of like 60 to 70%, which is, I think, quite, still quite hard to achieve um, because there's no COVID impact anymore. There's no no price increase anymore. But I think it's a it's a, a reasonable and doable, doable growth rate. And so we we not always after this 100% growth rate, we are quite conservative and want to have a we call it happy happy growth and happy profits so growing profitably growing with happy employees growing with happy customers instead of yeah doing everything to to grow as fast as you can so that's probably one of the reasons why we are, might not be a good good fit for any vc <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. You, you, you never know, but not that I'm trying to push you down that that route uh, in, in in any way. But you you talk about happy employees here, and something that kind of um, stood out to me was actually not the fact um, that you're a 100% remote organization, because actually pretty common these days, yeah. right? Especially since COVID. I mean, it does seem that a lot of organizations are going hybrid, um, <clears throat> but you you know, remote work is becoming so much more for a, a normality again, accelerated through yeah. through COVID, as we know. But you're you are a hundred percent remote, which does you you know employ um, foster uh, like employee happiness. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure on that. Um, uh, but you also offer a thirty hour work week, right? So uh, um, you, you know that's pretty cool. Um, tell us uh, a little bit about that. I guess kind of like well, first of all, have you been hundred percent remote from day one, and how do you make remote work work for for Bilby? Um, and then what led you to decide a 30 hour work week? Has that been from day one as well? Is this something you've kind of, you, you know, brought in and what does that look like? Is it, you, you know, uh, I don't know, five hours a day or, you know, six hours a day, um, or like you want, you know, four days a week or what does it look like? And, um, yeah. you know, 
what's been in the impact on the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, funny because uh, always people think that the 30 hour work week is the big thing, but in terms of culture, in terms of processes and, and in terms of yeah, difficulties and challenges it brought to a company getting from, from an offline or, or on-site company to 100% remote wasn't yeah, much bigger change than cutting uh, hours by 25%, interestingly for us as well. Um, but uh, that's how it how it turned out. And um, to, to get your question, uh, we haven't started as a 100% remote company. Um, Jan and I, as we met, lived like I think 80 to 90 kilometers uh, away from each other. And Bilby was growing on these two locations, yeah, similar, would say. So we've grown to like 10 employees with around about two offices, five employees each, one being where Jan is and one being where I am roundabout and um that's i think the end of 2019 so and we hired the first uh 100% remote employee in the end of 2019 so even before covid came in and felt and recognized pretty fast that this leads to some kind of two class employees so the employees which are in the office and and talk to each other every day and the one who's remote <laughs> and um so we really felt, okay, this might be or could be a problem if we stick to this hybrid approach with some some people being in the office, some people being remotely. And then COVID came in and everyone was was sent to, to home office anyways. And um, we recognized, all right, this somehow solved this, solves this, this problem of having two class employees. And then it was more of a, yeah, gut feeling or more of a, a instinct decision to say, all right, why don't try to go 100% remotely? And at the same time, actually, we said, all right, um, we have to be some kind of awesome employer to attract people because we do not get a lot of media because we're bootstrapped. Uh, we are in the e-commerce niche. So, so no B2C. Yeah recognizable companies so it's really hard to get get traction as an employer and it was really hard for us to get um yeah to get people on board especially as we saw customers coming in through covid and and growth and we just felt okay how could we solve the the people issue and thought all right the only thing the only way to do it is become a an awesome employer and and we thought okay, all right what what makes an awesome employer being remote is fine but what's even more like crazy and even more like like uh yeah beneficial and, and and unique would say and um uh then we came up with the idea of just cutting the full-time work week hours and in germany of 40 hours i think it's it's pretty much the same uh in in uk and um we've read a lot of books on on similar entrepreneurs who've done it on enterprises i think there's a story about microsoft in japan who, who introduced the four four day uh, work week, and then we set ourselves some kind of trial period. So we started, I think, in July uh, 2020 um, to go 100% remote and to um, have the 30 hour work week, and we had the trial period terminated until the end of the year 2020. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think after just a couple of months, we really felt all right. There's point of no return and um, it turns out that productivity is at least the same probably higher employee happiness is higher motivation is higher fluctuation is lower 
uh, yeah, onboarding is 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 uh, faster and easier because you do not have to to uh, yeah hire that fast because you do not have employees leaving the company. And um, so we I think it decided in October twenty to to stick to it, change contracts, really cancelled all offices, and yeah, that's where we are now. Awesome, good to hear. I, I don't know if you know um, that we implemented the four day work week. All right, SAS stock. Um, we did it. I want to say uh, April twenty twenty one, something like that. Nice, March April. And yeah, I think initially, <clears throat> I mean, definitely, like all the employees were very happy with it. But what we found, because actually during COVID, like we, you know, because we had to adapt and pivot, you know, from our our usual product, which was you know the, like the conference in Dublin or the physical conferences. Yeah. So we ended up doing, you know, uh, a shitload of virtual events, um, you know, across 2020, 2021. Uh, and so there were always, you know, events. There's always something happening kind of each week. Uh, and with a shortened week, I think certainly initially there was this maybe a, a slight kind of adverse effect in terms of like the team having to do a lot more in a shorter space of time. And that feeling that, oh, we've lost a day, uh, you, you know, so almost had the counter uh, kind of effect of what we were, you know, intending. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, the employees definitely wanted the three-day weekend, but then they were finding in the four days that they had, it was like we're cramming a lot. But I think that was more in terms of the workload specifically that Sastock had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've, you know, we've implemented, you know, some efficiencies kind of over time because we're learning, you, you know, I, I honestly haven't read, and I'm not sure if, the, I think there is a book about like the four-day uh, work week, but I haven't read huge amounts about it. I've seen a couple of companies that have done it, but it, it's still fairly a new thing. And I think in the UK, there like some companies are piloting it, um, uh, and uh, it'd be interesting to see you, you know how it gets uh, uh, yeah. adapted. My my feeling is where it kind of a similar stage with the four day work week uh, that we were at with remote work ten years ago, and that you know over time, you know maybe in ten years time we will see you know a, yeah. a, a kind of big change, but. Um, but yeah, we put in things like, you know, no meetings in the mornings, you know, no meetings on Wednesdays. So we've got like, you know, deep work productivity time. Yeah, sounds fun. Um, sounds and, familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so having these efficiencies and we're seeing that really does help, right? Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. So yeah, the, to, uh, the reason why we decided to go with a 30-hour work week instead of, for example, for uh, yeah, four-day four work week or so, is to, on the one hand, be as, as flexible as possible for our employees. So to let them decide how they distribute and, and, and work these 30 hours. And we only had a few um, limitations around it. So we said you have to work at least on four days of work so you that you do not do like two 15-hour work days or so. So and, and that you do not do like more than six hours without any break. So that's the only rules we we had in place and in the beginning actually um most of the people said all right i rather gonna do the four-day work week so as the model you introduced and then after a couple of months it turned out that i think as as of today almost any of the 40 employees are working five days but then around about six hours a day so it's quite interesting how this shifted from the beginning Everyone thought, all right, three days uh, week weekends, and was happy with it. And now it's, uh, yeah, still still five day work week, but less hours a day. And I think that's yeah. might be some of the reasons 
why production is it's still high because you only have to work like six hours a day and focus yeah. on six hours a day, be productive on, on six hours a day in, yeah. instead of working um, like eight or 10 hours a day or so. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, interestingly, and an, uh, an, an early pioneer, but even uh, so, um, I don't, there's a SaaS company called Quaderno uh, mm-hmm. and their founder, Carlos. Hi, Carlos, if you're listening. I don't know if he does listen to the podcast, but he's based in um, Gran Canaria, uh, I think six months of the year and six months in Berlin. I remember he used to come to a lot of the early like SaaS doc sort of meetups. Um, and he came to one and spoke at one in Barcelona. Uh, and uh, it, it was quite a nice talk because it, at the end, it, it kind of, it wasn't, I don't think, an essential kind of recruitment uh, thing, but it, it kind of, if, if I was sitting in the audience, I would like to work for his company because he's <laughs> like, hey, we're in Gran Canaria. We work 25 hours a week, you know, so five, five hours a day. Um, you know, the employees come in, they do five hours. They're super productive. Uh, like in those five hours and then they're on the beach surfing you know, in the afternoon. And I was like, oh yeah, I wouldn't mind working for you, Carlos. But uh, <laughs> but it, 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 it is definitely quite appealing. So, uh, but this was like three, four years ago and um, maybe yeah. his talk is on YouTube or something like that. But uh, uh, but yeah, I think um, definitely interesting if you're doing these kind of like six hour or five hour days, you've got to be super productive and there's no time yeah. for like, you know, spending a bit of time on Twitter and you're like gazing at, stuff or whatever or the water cooler chats and and things like that right actually Um, we also we also felt it as kind of beneficial to combine it with a 100 percent remote thing because you mm -hmm. you do not have these helpful but rather unproductive things as as water cooler talks and so on and having a coffee together and yeah driving to work driving back back home and all this kind of stuff and um so we really found it kind of beneficial to combine these two and um, uh, what, what I did wanted to say, and um, yeah, we, we, we also experienced that you need some kind of rules and, and, uh, and um, processes and tools to, to structure with less work and also remote things. So we have, for example, some, something like a meeting Monday. So we try to place all the weekly meetings on, on one day. So we have yeah, the rest of the, of the week, more, more, more flexible working hours. We also have this rule, no meetings after 2 p.m. So uh, the opposite of, of you do. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, so I think it definitely makes sense and obviously makes sense because um, uh, at some at some point, all companies uh, do do like this. Mm. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I'll tell you why we do the uh, no meetings in the mornings, but this was advice uh, as to why I got that. Because it, it, also it depends on the person, but generally like in the mornings, the theory is that you know, you're, you're fresher, you have more energy, more brain capacity to be able to like, you, you know, spend time on the kind of, you know, the, the deeper work or the big problems. Uh, and then in the afternoon, you're a little bit more tired uh, and mm-hmm. therefore like in the meetings, which are obviously still important as well, but it, it's like you're using just slightly less, you know, of your brain that you might need for the big problems. So you can come into the meetings and have these conversations and so on. And that's why we kind of structured it that way. But yeah, I just thought I'd share that, uh, yeah. uh, that with you. What is the um, the biggest lesson that you've learned then when running uh, or, uh, or being part of Bill B and now, you know, now being CEO of Bill B? Yeah, I think one is one is already said, so be brave. Yeah, we've we've always tried to yeah, have like radical decisions. So at, at some point we really stopped and canceled one key feature of Bill B, which was yeah, heavy in development, heavy in support, low in revenue, and and but a but a 
yeah, some kind of unique feature anyway. And we, we just cut it. And um, also with the pricing thing, I think it's it's always good to somehow be be brave because only big 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 things, big decisions, big impact lead to to big changes. I think so. Um, yeah, that's that's probably one of the one of the advices I could give. Uh, good stuff. And like in, in terms of the best advice that you've received, you know, over your <laughs> career, um, anything that you that that brings to mind uh, on, on that that you can share. Yeah, I, one thing is from from Patrick Campbell, definitely. <laughs> Don't yep. grandfather. It's very very practical and very operational. It's an easy one, but I really like it. And um, yeah, also is to, I think it's to to focus because in the past, um, as we started setting goals for ourselves, for the teams, and for the team members, we really had like a bunch of goals for each each part of the team, each part of the company. And we really found out it's uh, yeah it's hard to follow if you do not focus and if you have too many things in parallel to work on. And um, we now try to really be as simple as possible, have as less goals and as less objectives as possible to really focus on on a few things instead of yeah working on on too many. Good stuff. No, makes sense. So uh, where can people find you, David, online and uh, Bilby as well? Um, I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, and um, hopefully offline in Dublin this year. So yeah. uh, fingers crossed, I think. And um, yeah, you can find Bilby on uh, bilby.io. Awesome. Well, David, uh, thanks so much uh, for taking the time out today uh, to speak to the SaaS audience, the SaaS Revolution show. Uh, listeners, really appreciate it. You know, congrats on the, the, the great success with Bilby so far. Looking forward to seeing you in Dublin in, uh, in, in October. Um, and uh, yeah, really appreciate your time uh, today. So thanks so much, David Pullman, CEO at Bilby. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS Doc conferences around the world.